Welcome to this edition of Security and Compliance Weekly. Today on our show, we welcome Patrick O'Reilly, co-founder and chief product officer, officer for our sponsor, CyberSaint Security. We're going to talk about how our new virtual working world has finally forced risk and compliance teams at companies to take a serious look at the automation of compliance monitoring, or as CyberSaint likes to say, cyber risk and compliance automation is finally here. As a public service announcement, all responses to the PCI challenge today, and I imagine there will be quite a few, will be fulfilled with Irish whiskey at least on my part. In our second segment, we're going to take some time to get to know one of our new co-hosts, Frederick Flea Lee, who debuted on the show last week, but we really didn't get a chance to talk to him and get to know him. So we're going to do that today. Join us as we continue our journey of tearing down silos and building bridges on Security and Compliance Weekly. This is a Security Weekly production. And now, it's the show that bridges the requirements of regulations, compliance, and privacy with those of security. Your trusted source for complying with various mandates, building effective programs, and current compliance news. It's time for Security and Compliance Weekly. Are you struggling to reduce your cybersecurity risks and meet compliance mandates? Wishing you could be proactive instead of reactive? You need a solution that integrates cybersecurity together to make it affordable, accessible from anywhere, and simplistic, so you can gain a return on investment on your resources. Cyrisma is your answer. It gives you a single interface to identify sensitive data, vulnerable systems, insecure configurations, track progress, and assign accountability. Visit securityweekly.com forward slash Cyrisma today for a seven-day test drive and impress your leadership. That's Cyrisma, C-Y-R-I-S-M-A. The question is simple. Have any of the systems on my network been compromised? The answer is harder than it should be. Enter AI Hunter. Active Countermeasures has automated and streamlined techniques used by the best pen testers and threat hunters in the industry to create AI Hunter, a network threat hunting solution that does the first pass of a hunt for you to identify systems that are most likely to be compromised and scores the results on a scale from 0 to 100. You can then research those systems in depth with AI Hunter. Focus your valuable time on the systems that need your expertise with AI Hunter. Sign up for a personal demo today at securityweekly.com forward slash ACM. The average cost to respond to an insider threat is $11.45 million. That's a lot of reasons why a functional insider threat program must be a core part of any modern cybersecurity strategy. To protect your organization's sensitive data and meet compliance requirements, you need controls in place to deter, detect, and disrupt insider threats. With ECRAN system, you can meet control requirements imposed by compliance mandates all within one insider threat management platform. Get your free 30-day trial at securityweekly.com forward slash ECRAN. That's E-K-R-A-N, and fulfill your compliance requirements. Welcome to episode number 55 of Security and Compliance Weekly, recorded on December 8th, 2020. Uh, For the record, the Discord server has already gone off track, so if you're not on it, you should jump on board and see what's going on. I am your host, Mr. Jeff Mann, and joining me today are my co-hosts, Mr. Scott Lyons, Mr. Josh Marpet, and Mr. Fleet. Did I say that? Welcome, gentlemen. Hey, a few announcements. <laughs> yeah, come back, come back to the show, Josh, and get off of Discord for a few minutes. Oh, uh, <laughs> I know you are. 
Hey, a couple <laughs> announcements before we get into it. Scythe is offering a free Purple Team workshop where attendees can get hands-on uh, on an isolated enterprise environment for three whole hours. It's scheduled for December 9th, which is tomorrow, which is the day before Security Weekly Unlocked, which is in two days. Let's do the math. You can register for this free workshop uh, by going to securityweekly.com forward slash purple team SW. Also, as I just mentioned, Security Weekly, in partnership with the Cyber Risk Alliance, is excited to present Security Weekly Unlocked, which is in two days, December 10th, 2020. This one-day virtual event will wrap up with the 15th anniversary edition of Paul's Security Weekly, which will all be happening live on YouTube. Uh, the party itself, which is a virtual party, which most of us are bummed about, is going to be three different panel discussions, uh, which is our tradition for our holiday episode. Uh, so join in. It should be a fun and interesting, if not remote and lonely time. Um, get there by going to securityweekly.com forward slash unlock to view the agenda and register for free. All right. Today, as mentioned, we are joined by Patrick O'Reilly, who is Chief Product Officer for Cyber Saint Security. Patrick, welcome. Thank you. It's great to be here. Hey, just to uh, to get things started, get the ball rolling, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your background, how you got to where you are today with Cyber Saint, and, and by all means, tell us a little bit about Cyber Saint and what's that all about. Yeah. Yeah, so it's it's been a long and winding road, but I I didn't start out in cyber, uh, and I didn't start out in compliance. None of us I, did. Yeah, <laughs> right. I, you know, and how do you wind up where you are? It's a, it's a good question. I started out in macroeconomic, you know, modeling essentially, and early AI systems. And I went to school with a with a character named George Wren, and I knew him a little bit at school. Not terribly well. We had like a mutual friend in common. And I ran into him maybe six or seven years ago here in Concord, Massachusetts, and he wanted to go surfing um, in the winter. And I, you know, I, I didn't think that was a good idea, but I, uh, I did it. So, you know, we would go surfing uh, in these wetsuits up on the coast in New Hampshire. And he said, you know, I have something uh, that I'm thinking of doing. He was the global CISO for Schneider at the time. Uh, that I think you might be interest, interested in. And, uh, you know, I took a look at the problem in cyber, and I love your tagline, um, building bridges and, and burning silos, because... Breaking them down, but, not necessarily burning them. <laughs> well, building bridges. Is it burning I mean, silos? a silo well, you guys Breaking down that. silos. Breaking down okay, silos. Okay. Yeah. The concept is linking <laughs> stuff together, you know, and that's that's what I saw in the data, you know, and right away, uh, you know, we, 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 it, you know, within three months we had a deck and, you know, within six months we had investors and then three months after that we had an MVP. So, um, and cyber continues to, to fascinate me and, and compliance. It, it just, uh, the, the problems are so, you know, they've been around a while, they're difficult to solve, they're complex. Um, so that's a little background. And, you know, on, on CyberSaint itself, once we got past MVP, uh, we started to we started to have customers who who really had these use cases that uh, helped us build out the product. So we we were running a lot of controls early days and a lot of reports, and then we started to get bigger and bigger customers through the door, and that you know built in a bunch of workflow, 
and extended the data model. And, um, you know, we, we built some NLP maybe two, three years ago. So some very large concerns came to us and asked us if we could do control mapping. So that's how we, we got into that. And that's how we've uh, arrived at this moment where, you know, large companies are looking to automate parts of their compliance program. All right, we have a burning question on the Discord server, and it's not completely related, but people are, are kind of fixated, and we're not going to get beyond it. The four books set behind you, the, the book, the, the, the oh, spines yeah. uh, create a picture. Everybody wants to know, who is that? Who is that? Well, my, ch my chief revenue officer thinks it's Pat Sajak, but it, but it isn't. Um, That's not Sajak. What is he, crazy? <laughs> no, it's not Pat Sajak. That's uh, Samuel Beckett. The, uh, the okay. existential playwright, kind of the, one of the presiding spirits of Irish literary tradition. So he would. He would it's an Irish there. thing. Okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it's an Irish thing, but it's also a compliance thing because his, you know, his, his thing was trying to escape futility, really. Wow. <laughs> wow. That's, that, that's deserving of a drink right there. It's there you go. That works. <laughs> Here's to what you just said. All right. Um, the Very interesting background and uh, very interesting nuggets already. And, and you're, you're sort of answering our hot seat question. I, I think I know where, where you're going with it. But for formality's sake, we ask all of our guests the hot seat question, which is where do you fall on what we like to call the security versus compliance continuum? Yeah, and I would say um, that I, I'm. Can you can you maybe give me another sentence in support of that, just so that I can frame my answer <laughs> properly? Sure. Uh, I mean, one of the one of the reasons we put this show together is because there's so many people working security and so many people working compliance, yeah. and there the twain shall meet. Right. Uh, so we have set out to try to build bridges and, and tear down the silos or burn them down, if you prefer, right. uh, to try to foster you know uh, collaboration. And you know, my observation just from my career is I, I've met so many people that are really smart, really pursuing what's essentially the same problem on both yeah. sides and yeah. i'm sort of flummoxed that why don't these people know that the other side exists so we're we're trying to get them to work together does that help you yeah well, immensely actually i think you've framed um you know the one of the central issues of the industry with that question i just wanted to see if i understood it a little better um sure. I, I would say uh, we're in the we're in the middle there, trying to get everyone around the table. Uh, that's you know, even just the NLP I built a couple of years ago is really leverages vulnerability theory, which has been out there for a while, right? But you know, how does vulnerability theory map into controls? Can you do that in an automated way? Can the compliance people have a view into what IT is doing? I think that you know that really is the future. Uh, you know building, you know, more and more communication because there's so much great data out there. You know, there's great data and applications. The IT people have uh, a lot of great things, but it just doesn't make it across the entire organization and it doesn't, it doesn't always make it up into risk. So uh, I, I don't fall down on one side or the other. I'm trying to find, mm -hmm. uh, you know, ways to wire it all up and get everyone talking uh, the same language. 
Interesting. Get everyone talking and, the same language. That's a fascinating way of putting it. Mm, because yep. the par part of the problem is not just the mindset, but the vernacular. That's right. That's right. And it, the the idea that uh, to speak risk and to speak security are two different languages is is very, very close to my heart. And that's a fascinating yeah. point you raise. Can you, well, you. I'm yeah. sorry, I'm going to sort of pick on you for that. Can you expand no, on that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, so, so like when you say risk, uh, compliance, security, these are all different languages. Not only do they use different terminology, yeah. but they use similar words and mean entirely different things with them. You know, you say the word risk to a security person or to a compliance person and holy crap, are they going to have different ideas of what you just said? Yep. And I'm curious about uh, uh, your experiences with that kind of thing, please, if, if you have any. I do. I do have it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, I first had it as a consultant and, and now I have it, you know, uh, building a software product and having different companies come to me with different risk metrics and ask, and, and sometimes they present them and they say, this is what risk is. And, uh, you know, I, it, it's, it's a, it's a tricky area really. And, you know, I think the way I navigate it is by looking to the future, by looking to the future. By, by understanding that, you know, the conversation, if the conversation is going to come down to risk, you have some methodologies. You've got certainly NIST, you've got the FAIR model, you've got other risk uh, models. And we try to be risk model neutral. But really what you're trying to do is have the conversation upstairs. If you're talking about risk, you're talking about it upstairs. Now, telemetry companies will throw risk scores out onto endless streams of data. They'll do it all day long. I don't, I don't know <clears throat> how helpful that's going to be in the end analysis, uh, but it has to be accounted for. So everyone's idea of risk has to be accounted for to some extent. And then you have to get, again, everyone speaking the same language. So, so how do you get, you know, you've got, you've got, uh, as you put it, the telemetry company saying, oh, that's a 70% risk on this. Uh, that's yeah. a 70, uh, a risk score of 70 or whatever on this telemetry data. And then you've got, or this stream of data, this threat intelligence, which a lot of companies call things threat intelligence when in fact they're not, but right. that's just a personal thing. Uh, you've got executives going, well, we're not really at risk, are we? And then you've got, you know, technologists at the, at the, excuse me, at the bottom of the stack going, oh, we think we're doing our jobs okay. You know, we're doing it supposed to, the way we're supposed to do it. Right. So, I mean, how do you uh, uh, amalgamate all those scores together in such a way, not scores, but uh, those ideas together in such a way that they all understand the same thing in the same way and can act upon it consistently and reliably? Wait, are you talking about yeah. quantification? Well, I, think, I, I don't know that any one company could credibly claim they're doing that now. Um, I, I think that they have their own, you know, in-house methodologies and, and, okay, no, uh, sorry, I apologize. That was a pretty broad question. I'm terribly sorry. That was rude of me, but, no. but where in your world, and I guess yeah. CyberSaints world, do yeah. you bring together meanings so that people are under, so where do you act as translator? All over the place. Uh, so for example, you know, say we've got the big four in system, um, doing, you know, assessments, on thousands of sites against the cybersecurity framework. One of the nice things about the CSF for me is it can be a lingua franca and you can use it to drive metrics on a cyber program. And you can do sort of a solution cost modeling on top of it. You can do risk impact analyses on top of it. Um, so we, we do it all over the place in the system, um, you know, using large companies, historical data, using data they're putting in now uh, and what it's helping us do is refine this idea of finding, um, you know, a, a more generalized, you know, approach. 
And we've had to be very flexible, though, because, you know, it's like you have to take in a, a history and a culture sometimes when you're yes, dealing yes. with Oh, that. well said, well said. Right. And, <clears throat> you know, that that at times feels like we're bending ourselves into the, you know, some sort of Gordian or not or pretzel or something. But really what we're doing is, is building uh, the structure to support the unification that you know, of, of risk, of compliance, of IT, of telemetry, that we have to believe is, is coming to some extent. So we've got, we've got a couple of, uh, absolutely adore what you're saying, by the way, absolutely love it. But we've got a couple of points from uh, discord. Um, one, uh, Jim Gilson had a good point, CSF and the CSF, the cybersecurity framework. It's yeah. so generic. It's only a framework skeleton that lets companies fill out with their own content. Very well right. said, but you got to start somewhere, Jim, in my opinion. Right. Um, and then Liam, Liam downward from Cyrism, actually, uh, one of our sponsors. Uh, but how do you make it stand out when you have a maturity model that looks at risk through a general business risk and, and you, you, you risk basically getting lost in the weeds, uh, yeah. when you start talking technical risk, I'm guessing Liam, what you're talking right. about there. And, uh, you know, you have so many different, not just languages, but viewpoints. You've right. got some people looking at risk from the, the business level, some people looking at risk from the technology right. level. You right. can look at it in a, in a very microscopic view or a very macroscopic view. And it's, right. I, I'm sorry, I know we're stuck on this, but this is something that's so no. central to our building bridges point that yes. I really wanted to hit on it. And I apologize. No, don't apologize. This, I mean, we, this is, this is a part of our company history, this question you're talking about, uh, you know, and it's, it, it is cultural and it is kind of, it's foundational. Um, I, I would say that, you know, what, what we've seen over the last two years is more governance buy-in, right? So more, more buy-in at the level of the board and C-suite. They tend to historically understand things in terms of risk, but it's financial risk. Right. Yes, so, yes, 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 yes. Business risk, financial risk. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Is there yeah. any other kind of risk, though? Of course, well, there's there many other kinds of risk, many other oh, kinds. God. But it's sort of, you know, it comes down to what do you want to walk in and talk to the C-suite and the board about? In our largest use cases, you have to genuflect to some extent to the language that they understand. So, you know, you can say way down in the weeds, you know, on this most interesting part of IT, there's all sorts of risks that, you know, are embedded. But unless you can sort of contextualize that upstairs, you may not get the resources and you may be invisible in the sense of what you're doing. You know, your heroic efforts might go unnoticed. So th this, is this, this is why in, the, in our product, we try to build in ways to talk across these different stacks because we don't want anyone to go unnoticed. We don't want, you know, the, the craziest control deep in the weeds to have data missing from it. We don't want a conversation to not happen around that. But at the same time, we realize you're not going to talk about that in the boardroom. You're going to need to drive metrics over this very fine data uh, to, to illuminate what you're doing at the top around decision making. But you, you have to sort of translate risk across the stack and you have to translate many things across the stack. And you have to acknowledge that other parts of the organization might be speaking differently about things and you have to learn how to talk in there language as well. So we, we help with that in the, in the product. Yeah, actually, I, I want to uh, piggyback on, on, on like, I think Jeff's uh, initial point with regards to all risk is, is business risk uh, or at least financial risk, because I think that actually gets to the heart of uh, what, what it sounds like CyberSane is trying to solve, which is this notion that at the end of the day, the board is saying like, Hey, we only care about risk if it actually impacts the business. Right. Um, and I'm kind of curious, uh, Patrick, like uh, how exactly does CyberSane help 
cascade some of those smaller, more fine detail, more nuanced risks, like at the IT level, et cetera, back up to the board and help draw those connections, both for people at the C level, but also maybe some of the ICs doing the, the, the work on a day-to-day basis? Yeah, well, we do it really, uh, to keep it as simple as possible, we do it two, from two sides. We do it having the metrics at the top. So we have you know, a risk register. Uh, we have, you know, risk agnostic risk models in there. Uh, so we have the fair model, we have the 830, we have a simple version of 830 so that you can do likelihood and impact. And we allow you to attach control groupings, security groupings as NIST calls them to these individual risks. So you can create a business risk, you can create an operational risk, you can, you can even create you know, an IT risk. We, we allow you to do risk on controls as well. So all the way down on tier three. Um, and then from the other side, what we're doing now is we're automating controls. So controls will have statuses, scores. We have many, many scoring models. Um, and as long as the risk is associated with sort of the controls, uh, it's all the machine is all singing together. So that's really the simplest way to talk about it. Yeah, but at the end of the day, wouldn't you, you, know, would you agree or would you not? Hold on, Josh, hold on. Josh, you know, we need Josh, to have Josh, different time languages. Time oh. Hold on. Um, at the end of the Sorry, day, Scott. would you agree or would you disagree that it all comes down to risk tolerance? Scott, you're on mute. Or at least I can't hear you. I can't I'm not on mute. No, I can no, hear you now, Scott. Go ahead. Okay. So would no. you agree? Would you agree or not agree that at the end of the day, it all comes down to the amount of risk tolerance that you're willing to deal with? Yeah, I would agree. But, uh, I, you know, in day-to-day practice... In order to understand risk tolerance, you have a fair a fair amount to do to get there. So you have to do risk analysis before you can understand your tolerance, right? You Absolutely. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, so so sort of. You have to do risk analysis before you understand which risks are within your tolerance. Your tolerance actually is determined by uh, more dollar values than anything else. Right. You know, if I, I have $40 million in the bank, I have a tolerance to up to that or maybe half of that or whatever – uh, that, that's, that's one way of measuring your tolerance. So I, I would sort of disagree with you there, but okay. not, not by very much. Let's be clear. Sure. Sure. Um, but I think the doing a proper risk analysis and we're, we're talking in discord about, you know, the, the, the common language thing we were chatting about just a minute ago, the lingua franca, which I haven't heard that in a very long time. Well said, sir. Rosetta Stone, yeah. <laughs> um, Rosetta Stone, whatever. Uh, but, but, uh, a common language of risk between executive management, uh, uh, board and technical levels, the f- right. sort of the four levels of business right. and, um, not in order. Of course I screwed that up. Sorry. But, uh, something we came up with was the analogies and we all have sort of analogies. We're discussing, you know, I, the one, I think it was Dimitri uses cars as his analogy of risk and somebody else uses physical security and so on and so forth. And it's yeah. almost like we should really build a common library of analogies. So a lingua franca of analogies of how to understand risk at the different levels. And then from there, we can build a common language. I think it's adorable and hilarious. Yeah, I like it. I like that idea because, you know, conversations that I get into around risk can um, quickly become a tower of Babel. (laughs) Well, and that goes back to what we were saying early on in the show. Uh, I think Josh was saying that, you know, the different silos that we're dealing with that exist within organizations and frankly within our industry uh, use the same terms, but they have different meanings and, and different understandings of the meanings, and not just the meaning, but the the implications and the interactions of the meanings, yes. w- which makes it that much more complicated. I'm curious, though, 
great discussion so far, and I've got I've got many questions. The one that's last in my brain, so it shall be first out, is is there a, a need to get not just a common language, but in terms of understanding risk, uh, maybe it's more a statement, and I'll ask you to comment on mm-hmm. uh, the the board's idea, the management ownership's idea of risk and risk tolerance, given it, whatever it is, and, and security and risk folks come in that have a different sense of what the risk what they think the risk tolerance should be. Uh, is it always sort of upstream? We understand what's bad and what's wrong and what's broken and what needs and what's you know danger, danger. Uh, and we need to communicate that up. Or is there some room for, no, we need to lighten up because, you know, our purest view of risk and, and the th- bad things that could go on need to be tempered by, sort of the corporate big picture, you know, we really understand the business and the financial implications. I don't even know if I'm making sense, but you you are, you are making sense because you know, that's, that's the kind of historical, you know um, you know, if, if the, if, if the board and the C-suite and and IT and compliance were in various trenches, you know, that's kind of the, the middle ground is, you know, where that would get negotiated out. I think things have Mm -hmm. changed though. Um, you know, in my view, when we work with large enterprise, and we're working with many, you know, Fortune 500 companies. Uh, I think there's an understanding now uh, across, you know, the different business functions that the days of IT being like, this is an outrageous risk, you know, alarm, 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 and nobody at the board level gets it. That those days I don't see existing anymore. People are now trying to find ways to, to get speaking the same language. And that, that is how we're building our software. They're coming to us and saying, look, we lo- we're losing this data or look, we're stuck in red team sock hell forever. We can't even get to preventative things. We can't even make mm-hmm. a case upstairs about, you know, uh, cost benefit analysis, you know, help us, help us do that. And then on the governance side, you know, they're, they're, they're beginning to have some of their performance tied to cybermetrics as well. So they're in, in a, you know, in a reasonable frame of mind also. So I would say that that formerly there used to be this kind of like, you know, if you were down looking at the mac- microscopic level, risks might amplify, you know, in, in, in small ways, whereas the board mm-hmm. might be like, but we don't even know what he's talking about. You know, there's right. there's much more, um, you know, there's a much more communitarian uh, joint effort going on here. I mean, when we talk to enterprise, we're talking to four or five different departments at once to build automation. They're all on the call. You know, and so, they're all trying to get on the same page with respect to the analytics they're going to do and the quality of the data they want so that they can make the best case imaginable upstairs. Let me ask you a somewhat probably oversimplified question, but I'm curious to get your insight. Um, is it your opinion that we need to, uh, we security risk compliance folks, need to learn the language of management? Or does there need to be a common language that we all speak? I, I I'll, I'll answer that by by saying that I you know I deal with a board myself, right? And mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm always trying to understand how they see you know what what we're doing and the decisions we make on a day to day basis, more operational. Um, and I want their help, 
So, you know, in order to get their help, I, I do have to s- at least perform the imaginative exercise of, well, how do they see it? And how could I make a compelling case to them um, in a way that they, you know, that'll resonate for them? I mean, it it's really as simple as that to me. And that's, you know, that's good practice in cyber compliance and just in maybe in politics and human relations generally. <laughs> Life. But, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I mean, it, that that answer is generic enough to apply across the stack. I think. Right. Well, let's shift gears then a, a little bit, and and hopefully not set you up for failure here. But you know, yeah. so you you've got a you've got a solution. You're attempting to automate uh, various security and compliance controls mm-hmm. <laughs> at the risk of putting you on the spot. What language does your product speak? A lot of different languages. The product speaks. Uh, you know, it's. Um, you know, it's it speaks Java, it speaks JSON, it's, it speaks probability oh. theory. It speaks. Does it speak yeah. risk in multiple languages? Yes. How does it? Does. it how does it, it does. communicate its output into what risk. audience? Yes, it does. We have many outputs uh, that are risk analytics, and we do another aspect of risk analytics, which is called uh, solution cost analysis. So. so you're able to game out remediation paths with various solutions, be they, you know, people, processor, tech, and make that argument um, on and associate it with risk. So, so is the output uh, numbers and statistics? Yeah, and it's, dare I say, it's dollar, it's dollar values, it's it's risk scores, it's um, it's graphics, it's you know, it's it's. KPIs, it's metrics, it's, you know, it's the ability to roll everything up into, uh, you know, gold standard metrical structures, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. So that you can do that flexibly. You know, if you have many different frameworks or control sets you're working on, you may want to roll them all into one, um, you know, one container. And that's, from my viewpoint, the value of the CSF isn't necessarily that it's a a really granular thing. It's more like a series of containers uh, that you can put granular things in and and understand them and drive dollars and risk calculations over those categories and subcategories and and make compelling case for resourcing things. Interesting. Uh, Let me put you on the spot again, uh, because we've gone almost the whole episode and I haven't said my three favorite three letters yet. PCI. There it is. How does how does how does your product help a a company? And there's many of them that are beholden to uh, PCI data security standard. We help by providing uh, the single pane of glass. PCI. One of the challenges of PCI is that it you know down at the level of the you know questions and the tests and the verifiability, um, you you often have. Uh, you know, people who don't touch controls much, you know, you might, they might have 10 different line items they have to answer on PCI. So the multi-tenancy with respect to users um, Mm -hmm. and the central pane of glass aspect of that was one of the first things we had to solve in the product uh, to get, to get companies out of spreadsheets because spreadsheets are these things that, you know, you aggregate into cells and then you send the cells off and the cells, you know, you put a date on it and then you have to recollate and the combinatorics get nightmarish. When you have it all in one central place and you have different user role structures, you can put people down who are on the weeds on PCI. You can put them down where, where they can attach evidence and, and uh, make a case uh, down there. So 
that's that's our PCI. So we've had PCI in from the start. Interesting. And, and you sort of touched on a, another question that I was curious about. Um, uh, you know, in terms of output, in terms of who is the consumer of your product, you, you, you implied or alluded to that you're able to provide value to lots of different, perhaps, consumers or, or, or users of the output. Am I picking up on that correctly? Yeah, you are. Uh, that's correct. I mean, and, and that really has to do with our, how the product's grown over time. So first, we were doing reports for practitioners. Then the reports uh, were for practitioners and for their bosses, you know, uh, and then reports were for risk teams or reports for mm -hmm. compliance teams. And then when we built in a, a larger uh, structure of risk into the platform, uh, the reporting was really, you know, board level and C-suite level and the dashboarding as well. So live in real time on the screen, you're seeing risk and uh, solution cost modeling uh, that's continuous. So as we automate more, uh, that, that's, that's going to uh, be even more continuous because the control data is going to be day-to-day, week-to-week, whatever the cadence may be. Interesting. All right. Patrick, uh, earlier... Oh, go ahead, Jeff. No, please. I was just going to uh, say, anybody else it, have questions? So jump in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I know earlier you talked a little bit about, you know, leveraging and some of, you know, newer features you've added with regards to natural language processing. I'm kind of curious as like how that's playing out for you. What was some of the motivation of actually even adding that? And yeah. even longer term, where do you actually see the future of NLP with regards to things like, like compliance and risk assessments uh, uh, is going to play out, not just in your product, but it, just in the industry? Yeah. Uh, that, that, that's a great question. Um, you know, we started out uh, early days on NLP because we, we wanted to have a threat feed. Some of our requirements like DFARS were, you know, you have to have a threat feed. Well, we didn't, you know, once we got the threat feed into the platform, we didn't just want to have it just sitting there statically, you know, go over to your threat feed, look around at your threats. And it's like going in your closet and hugging stuff around. So, you know, my fellow co-founder and myself, you know, he said, do you think NLP, you know, could chew on, you know, some of this uh, language set and, and map into controls. And I said, yeah, you know, I, I think it can. So I just built out a large training set and tested it and it, it worked. I mean, we got really good mappings into 853. And I, you know, I kind of did a lot of research around it and figured out that the government had, had done some forays into it, but, but maybe not got anywhere. So the next Bridge was really vulnerability theory. You know, there's so much great work that's been done with vulnerability theory. I mean, the whole industry really, you know, it's like lawyers on, on stacks of paper and on their bellies. That's how they roll. You know, to some extent, you know, you know, to some extent, cyber is is predicated on a lot of vulnerability theory. And but it's never been analyzed, I don't think, as language, you know, human language. So I, I, I did that. I, I decided to analyze it with human language and build processor to do the mapping. And that, that's been very helpful because as we integrate into scanning companies, we can actually reach into the description. We're not just saying, oh, yeah, I'm doing scanning and lighting up those controls. We're actually pulling out the descriptions and mapping into additional controls like you know, information output validation, input validation, uh, memory protection protocols, and things like that. So... You know, that's, but, you know, the, the real exciting thing about NLP is the future, you know, and cr crosswalking is part of that, you know, getting all of the, all of the standards and regulations talking to each other. That's huge. We already do crosswalking, but now we're trying to do it in a way that at scale, really across 
as many frameworks as you'd like across many, many controls to understand the sort of in simultaneity where you are if you're on 853, where you are on PCI, where you are on all of that. Uh, a lot of you know companies have tried to solve it, but that it hasn't, you know, so we've been doing R&D around that for a long time and we're going to have uh, feature functionality in, in very soon on that. We already do it behind the scenes for customers. And then ultimately the future, which is, you know, all telemetry, all data is good information. Can you teach NLP? Can you, and I have staff who work on this. Can you teach it to recognize, you know, incident response, behavioral analytics, all the great telemetry that our industry produces? And you can, believe the but it takes yet. more than it takes more than NLP. It takes uh, timing, uh, uh, timing yep. determinations. It takes natural language processing. It takes uh, 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 m- more about the telemetry of the human to understand urgency. How, yes. how fast they're typing, how fast right. they're sending messages, who is yeah. responding and when. You're looking for patterns in the communications, not just the word choices that are used. Although the word choices are important, please don't get me wrong. Right. Yeah, no, some of that, I mean, I'm not saying it's going to solve everything or boil the ocean. What I'm saying is that, you know, you need to get, you need to get the data into a specific kind of shape before you can do some of the additional heuristics you're talking about. Agreed, agreed, agreed. And, and actually, in that sort of same vein, I'm going to throw Liam's question in the mix. Um, Liam Downward, again from Cyrisma, said, is this an honor system? How do you, see, you know, how do you make sure that these things are happening, phone scans are happening, secure configurations, et cetera, rather than humans clicking the box? Because, uh, you know, if you're using the, the, the AIML NLP stuff, to, to find these things, are you actually at CyberSync actually doing it to make sure it's been done or that somebody says it's been done? Formerly says it's been done, right? So the, the classic problem of compliance, you know, so you said that, so what, right? But, but now with integration, we're, you know, they're pulling direct scans off of their own instantiation of Tenable or Qualys or whatever. So, I mean, okay. evid- in, you know, in an evidentiary sense, it's real, right? And if they're going to auto-populate the controls using scan data, they've got to have the the link into, you know, the feed. So it's not, we don't have an agent that goes out and knocks on the door, you know, like Brazil or, you know, 1984. And says, <laughs> hey, Can I see that data, please? <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> no. Where did you find that data? Do you have proof that it's your data? Yeah, no, I got exactly. it. Exactly, uh, right, right. We don't take them into a matrix and say, you know, you know, you guys aren't scanning in here, you know, um, they, they just, you know, put in the auth keys and everything else and, and, and they import the data into their assessment environment. Um, via okay. The so you're getting, you're getting the vulnerability, uh, the vulnerability scan data, but you're not necessarily getting the change management data, the config management data. Well, we the, are, uh, we are, we are, cause we're, in, cause we're integrating into service. Now we are getting the change management data and the config data. We're also doing okay. that. And, you know, part of the challenge of automating is having the data model expand. So controls have to become configurable. Controls have to have inventories. Controls have to have, you know, almost, uh, you know, spreadsheets sitting on them, ready to receive some of this data. Because, you know, as you guys know, ServiceNow data is multi-field and pretty dense. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm very aware of that. Our, our time is, is running out. I do have one philosophical question I want to ask you very quickly, and then, Patrick, I'll, I'll let you kind of, you know, 
give us some final thoughts, call to action as far as uh, your, your company and your product. My philosophical question is, given that you're, uh, from what it sounds, very intimately familiar with lots and lots of frameworks and regulatory compliance standards, uh, one difference that I've always seen, and I'm very PCI-centric, and I admit it, PCI, at least theoretically, expects uh, you know all or nothing. You're 100% there or not. Whereas many of the other uh, frameworks and compliance standards, they they sort of have you know you just start with a baseline and then over time you hope you improve and and you right. pat yourself on your back for fifteen percent improvements. So right. you went from twenty to thirty five, but you still suck. Um, sure. <laughs> my, and my philosophical question is: uh, do, Does either uh, sort of methodology work? Uh, do they both not work? Is, is there, you know, what's, what's the right mix of how do you take a, a set of standards and rules and, and apply them to an organization? That's a, that's a really good question. That's a deep question. I think in some ways, uh, you know, I did uh, say it was philosophical. Yeah, no. And I, I'm, you know, what would I, Sam I, Beckett say? Sam Beckett would say that, uh, uh, that scoring models are uh, in and of themselves just ways to view where you are, right? So they may be like a, you know, a, just a telescope, a lens, a different magnification. Um, you yep. know, automation necessitates a more stringent scoring model in some respects. We've been talking about this in-house lately, you know, because if you look at a a policy object, it's it's on or it's off. It's it tends to be Boolean, right? It's yes, no. Um, you have to have some of that Boolean embedded. And, I'm gonna you know, disagree Boolean, with you. But a Boolean that you know rolls up over 15 line items, all of a sudden you might have right 11 out of 15, and and you're you know now you're talking about a partial, right? So it's really where you cut it that that really matters. And I would say that. The partial and the nearly and all of that, you know, the PCI being like, yes, no, did you test? Uh, it's a hard answer. That it can be very effective because you know precisely where you are. The wiggle room, I think, comes out of historically comes out of the consultative model, which is you can you can be partially or nearly or minimally if you have a team of consultants that are helping you understand, you know, what the future looks like and how to get to, uh, you know, a, a state where you're closer to maxed out. Maturity models historically, maturity models historically, you know, tend to, you know, between four and five tend to, you know, you need to get from four to get from four to five on a maturity model. You need eight times the resource that you needed to get from two to four. Right. <laughs> so there's other considerations like that in a maturity concept. But in a score concept, I think things are trending more toward the Boolean because automation is coming. Great. Um Final thoughts for us, uh, call to action. What would you like us to glean from Cyber Saint Security? Yeah, well, I just first thank you guys. This has been, you know, a great conversation. I just want to throw that out there. I had a lot of fun. Uh, I'm, you know, this is, uh, you've got a great show. Um, I think call to action wise, I, I, I think for folks in compliance and uh, risk, uh, you know, having been working shoulder to shoulder with them for years now and uh, hearing, you know, very large organizations issues, I would say uh, to hang in there. The complexity of, you know, the problem is we all know it and we all have a bit of battle fatigue. 
Um, so my call to action is, you know, the future is coming. There's a lot of relief in sight and automation and some of the other innovations that are coming along, um, you know, are going to really, really change the way we do uh, the way we work, you know, so legacy GRC and uh, is, 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 is fading. Um, and the new ways of approaching it are going to be a lot more nimble and a lot more rational and sane. And that's, that's really what I try to build into our product. Cool. All right. Well, for our listeners and watching audience, if you want to learn more about uh, cyber saint security, go to securityweekly.com forward slash cyber saint SCW. I don't, not sure that's it, Johnny, but Cyber Saint, and hopefully it autofills and gets you there, <laughs> or Google it. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for joining us today, Patrick. We'll we'll make sure we've got URLs uh, uh, correctly uh, published and, and point people in the right direction. Uh, you're welcome back anytime. We've had a great discussion. Love love the philosophical bent and. Uh, now I want to watch Waiting for Godot over the weekend. Not read it, but watch it. So we're going to take a quick break, come back, and we're going to get to know Flea a little bit. <laughs>